Let me start off with some true stories of just extraordinary kindness. These are definitely true. One day in 1953, a boy with a mental disability named Tommy Tuminello went on a class trip to the local fire station in Lansing, Michigan. He loved the fire trucks and the activity and especially the kindness of the firefighters. He liked it so much that he came back the next day and the next day and the next day and Tommy would go on to visit Fire Station 1 in Lansing, Michigan almost every day for the next 60 years. He eats there, he watches TV there with the firefighters, he helps with their chores, and he's the only citizen in Lansing that has his own key to the fire station. When a reporter asked Tommy what his life would be like without being able to go to the firehouse, he got silent and started to cry. I'm speculating here, but I doubt that any of the firefighters that were working that first day in 1953 are still working there today. But somehow, as the generations have changed, they've kept a seat at the table for Tommy. Here's another one. A man named Bud Caldwell, not too far away from uh, where I used to live in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, was happily married over 55 years to Betty, the love of his life. When she passed away, he paid for a memorial to be put in the center of one of his favorite spots in the local town park. He then would go on to visit it every day, talk a little bit to his wife, and drop off a daisy at that bench. One winter morning, two city workers noticed that Bud would sit in his car on snowy days because he was just a little bit too old and his knees were a little bit too wobbly to walk through the snow on an unshoveled path to the middle of the bench in that park. So these two workers, Jared Ebert and Kevin Schultz, changed their morning routine and took a break to sneak away every single snowy morning to personally shovel the path to the bench so Bud could go visit the memory of his wife. Final example. In a memoir on overcoming trauma, a woman named Natalie Coos writes about a childhood of surgeries and hospital stays that she had to endure after narrowly surviving a horrific attack by a pack of dogs growing up in Alaska. In a particularly tender part of her essay, she recalls a moment when she looked away suddenly from her hairless reflection as the nurse changed the bandages wrapped around her scalp. With a tear in her eye, she told her nurse, Janine, that if she had pretty blonde hair like the nurse, she would braid it and loop it around her ears in pigtails, which is how that nurse, Janine, then styled her hair for the several months during the rest of Natalie's stay. Each service this month, we're studying a different attribute from the special list in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, this list is full of attributes or things that are supposed to grow and increase for those of us that follow the teachings of Jesus. The item on the list that we come to this afternoon is kindness. Let me ask you a question to contemplate silently in your head. Are you noticeably and demonstrably more kind now than you were a year ago? 
Because what Galatians 5.22-23 is telling us is that when we're following the teachings of Jesus with His power and with the right heart, this is one of the things that's supposed to be growing in our lives. So let's examine this promise. Let's examine this goal. And let's do it through another passage that we find in 1 John 3, 16 to 20. That's going to give us just a little bit more teaching and insight on how this can be true in our lives, maybe even more true than it already is. I hope you guys grabbed a bulletin when you walked in. And let's just talk through 1 John 3, 16 to 20 in three quick parts. First of all, let's talk a little bit about the context of 1 John and what we need to know about this book of the Bible to feel maybe a personal connection to today's scripture. In section two, let's, let's just break the definition of how we walked in today thinking about kindness. Because in this book of the Bible, John is telling us that kindness according to Christ, according to Scripture, is a little bit different than we think of it today. And finally, let's uh, wrap up with some uh, insight, some very wise insight from John on how each one of us can grow in our ability to display this loving kindness that Christians are called to display. All right, section one, let's establish the context and try to find some connection to today's scripture passage. John is writing to a congregation, and we don't know all the specifics, uh, but from a couple places in the book of 1 John, like 1 John 2.26 and 1 John 3.7 and 1 John 4.2-3, we know we can deduct, we can put it all together that John is writing to a group that was being told to doubt that Jesus was human and died and resurrected. We know that there's at least three three or four places in this letter where John is kind of correcting this idea that maybe Christianity is just about a bunch of wise teachings. That's what was kind of going through this church. John is saying, no, Christianity isn't just moral teachings. It's not just about how to be good. We are following somebody who lived and died and resurrected. Okay, that's what he's saying throughout his letter. So even the early church kind of was faced with this idea that Christianity is just about being a better person, right? Just be good for goodness sake. John's saying that's not what Christianity is all about. We are following the path of somebody who lived and died and burst forth from the grave and let us follow in the path that's been established for us. And so there's a couple places in 1 John where we get a glimpse of this theme or this thesis that Christianity isn't just trying to be good, but it's trying to just show the world what Jesus is like. And a great place where we get a summary of that is in 1 John 1, 5-7. Listen to this beautiful passage. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. In other words, we're called to let the love and goodness that allowed Jesus Christ to suffer for us, to take our place before God in judgment, we're called to let that light that love, that mercy, that goodness flow out of us into the lives of others. If I had to kind of say those verses in my own translation, I'd say this, we were saved by great mercy. We now must show great mercy to others. 
Can you guys nod your head if that makes any sense at all? Because the worst thing that I could do today is send you all home thinking that being a Christian just means you have to try harder to be good. It's not what 1 John is all about. That's not why Paul is telling us that we should be growing in our ability to demonstrate loving kindness. No. Because we were saved from the great mercy of Jesus Christ, we are now called to show that great mercy as we live out that light to others. So let's move on to section 2, and let's just try to create a similar understanding of what John is telling us kindness is. One of the first things that this passage greatly challenges us in 2020 about is it says, If you have condemnation in your heart, you are not loving or kind in the way that God calls us to be. Listen to what it says in 1 John 3.15. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Well, that's challenging, is it not? It's not saying that kindness is just being polite when you're around strangers. It's not saying that politeness is restraint. It's saying one of the aspects of kindness and the way that we are called to demonstrate it is not to have a heart with contempt for others. When you watch the news, you can't throw down your remote and say those people are idiots. When you're driving down the street and someone cuts you off, you can't say, oh, they must be from Boston, right? Or whatever region of the world or the country that you don't like tourists from, right? (laughs) The word condemn means a couple different things, but probably the most helpful demonstration is, uh, let's say there's a house over here. It was built in the 70s and some contractors come in to look at it and they determine that it would cost more money to fix it up than they would be able to make with the resale, right? No one's going to take on that project because nobody wants to lose money on a deal. So eventually, whatever the local Big Sky Committee is in charge of that sort of thing would wrap the yellow tape around it and they'd say it's condemned. It has to be knocked down because it's worthless. Nobody could make money off of this property. In the same way, it's telling us here in 1 John 3.15, you can't condemn somebody else. You can't look at somebody, a coworker, a spouse, an ex-spouse, a, a neighbor. You can't look at somebody and determine that they're unfixable, that they're unlovable, that they're unsavable. And if you have those thoughts, you're not living out kindness in the way that we're called to live out loving kindness. Let's just think for a moment about everything in 2021, everything in 2020, everything in our modern culture that's just centered on condemnation. You get on social media and it's talking about how bad this person is. Listen to the quote that this person said. Can you believe that uh, this is a lyric of this song? Can you believe what happened to me in the parking lot of Costco, right? And so much of what people put on social media is really saying, can you believe how worthless this person is? Can you believe how unlovable this person in this situation is, right? And as we get everybody else to share in our rage, we're exercising condemnation. We're cutting out the value of others and we're treading in dangerous territory because John is telling us this is the opposite of kindness 
and the way that we're being called to live it out. I'm sure you guys have heard the, uh, the phrase, the cancel culture. There's so much right now that's like, here's an example, and I'm, I'm definitely not arguing for the Dukes of Hazard, but a silly example. They say the Confederate flag is on the roof of the car in the Dukes of Hazard, and so CMT, Country Music Television, stopped airing the Dukes of Hazard, right? That's just an example off the top of my head of the cancel culture. When we come across something that offends us, we condemn it. We say there's nothing of value in this anymore because of the way that it has offended us. There's definitely a lot of statues that deserve to be torn down. But do you guys know that there was a statue of Theodore Roosevelt on the steps of the New York Public Library and they tore it down because he was higher than his Native American guide and they said that that was, I don't know, racist and, and, and they condemned it, right? And now everything about the legacy of Teddy Roosevelt condemned, ripped down, erased, I'm not for or against either one of those examples. I'm just trying to illustrate what's going on here. How about politics? Both sides of the aisle spend a lot more time trying to demonize and show you the faults of their opponents than they do trying to solve any of the problems that we're facing. What about stand-up comedy? Turn on the TV and does the comedian fill you with hope and, th and things to feel good about? Or do they say, what's the deal with millennials, right? And then they give all these annoying examples of things that we can all join in together and say, yeah, let's laugh because those people are the worst, right? And these are all examples of condemnation. John is telling us to live out the light of Christ, to let the love and the mercy of Jesus flow out of us into the lives of others. We have to have enough self-control to not exercise the condemnation that flows out of each one of us, myself included. Let's talk a little bit more about what kindness is not, and this one is going to hit close to home for a lot of us as well. John teaches us that authentic kindness is not just mere politeness or verbal affirmation. Listen to what it says in 1 John 3.18. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Oh, man. That's hard. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. I don't know about you guys, but at the end of the day, when I'm trying to give myself points for what a great day that I lived out, I give myself points for the nice things that I said. I give myself points for the mean things that I did not say. I give myself points for the smile that I gave that stranger. Okay? None of that, according to John, counts. He's saying that authentic kindness is not just politeness or verbal affirmation. It's your actions in the lives of others. It says it right there in 1 John 3.18. Think back to those examples that I gave during our uh, opening uh, introduction. Those firefighters weren't just polite. They didn't just smile at that special needs boy and say, thank you for coming and looking at the red trucks today, Tommy. They made a seat at their table for 60 years. Okay, politeness is not words, it's actions. What about those two city workers? City workers don't always have the best reputation for getting out of their trucks and getting to work, right? They didn't just smile at that guy and say, uh, hey, that's so nice that you bring daisies to your wife. They got on their boots and they shoveled that path day after snowy day. What about that nurse? who put her hair in kind of a juvenile and childish pigtails looped around her ear 
I imagine that she got looks at the grocery store. I imagine that people rolled their eyes when she was pumping her gas and they thought maybe she's a little bit too old to have hair like that. But she knew that she was building up the self-esteem of a vulnerable little girl day after day. I hope you guys realize that John is telling us that kindness isn't just what you think. It's not what you say. Kindness is love that overflows into your actions in the lives of those around you. And I'm not preaching at you guys, I'm preaching at myself as well because it's a higher standard than we often hold ourselves to. All right, let's wrap up in section three. Let's talk about some of the steps that John gives us, how we can grow in this, how we can demonstrate love and kindness in a way that shows the world the light and the love of Jesus Christ. First point is this. We are called to establish Christ as the model for kindness, not your Aunt Dorothy, not your grandma, right? Not just some friendly person in your neighborhood. We can't base politeness just on the way that we see it around us. We need to establish Jesus Christ's gospel sacrifice as our model for love and kindness. Listen to what it says in 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. Look around the room, please. These are your brothers and your sisters. Maybe you're visiting from another church. Your brothers and your sisters are back home or in, a different, or in your community if you're not regular church attenders. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. I think for most of us, politeness is just one-upping the casual politeness around us. When I was in seminary, I had a professor in a preaching class, and I just remember one a detail that he told us one day. Somebody raised their hand and they said, Dr. Green, how should you dress when you're preaching? And he said, you should always dress just one level nicer than the people in your congregation. If they're wearing t-shirts, you should wear a sweater. If they're wearing sweaters, you should wear a shirt and a tie. If they wear a shirt and a tie, you should wear a shirt and a tie and a sport coat. You know, the examples go on and on. I don't think I took that advice today. <laughs> but you know, we do the same thing with politeness. If we walk in somewhere and somebody nods their head, the next time we see them, we, we kind of try to one-up it, right? We, we nod our head and we smile, right? Maybe the next time somebody uh, at the grocery store says hello and, and then we try to learn their name so that we can say hello and we can say their name. Maybe we're feeling a little bit frisky and so we go to shake their hand, right? Like pre or post-COVID. We always kind of establish what politeness is by just matching or one-upping the people in our social circles. We need to break ourselves of that definition because John is telling us that our model for loving kindness is Jesus Christ who gave up his life for us. And we need to serve our brothers and sisters in the same way. I hope everybody underlined or circled 1 John 3.16 because that's really, that's really today's sermon in one sentence. Another thing that John challenges us to do as we start to wrap up here is to habitually demonstrate generosity and sacrificial acts. Listen to what it says here in 1 John 3, 17, as this theme continues to be developed. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Again, kindness according to John. Kindness according to Scripture. It's not just patting someone on the back and saying, hey, I hope everything works out. It's demonstrating generosity 
and sacrificial acts in their life. Everybody says college is the greatest time of your life, and uh, I definitely had a good time in college, but uh, my, my third or fourth semester, I just felt like something was off. Couldn't figure out what it was. I just didn't feel as happy as everybody said you're supposed to feel in college. And I think God kind of put this idea in my head that the reason why things were unbalanced was because I was so self-centered, right? And it's very tempting in your college years or even your post-college years before you have kids and even in your retirement years sometimes that everything just becomes about yourself. And that gets us a little bit off track. And so somebody challenged me to find something that I was good at that I could help other people with. And uh, God kind of prompted me to walk down to the YMCA and asked if they needed uh, any coaches. And uh, I ended up for two years in a row coaching Special Olympic basketball. And uh, a lot of my peers in the dorms, they'd get up and they'd stumble out the door and go out to the bars on a Thursday night or uh, well, any night of the week, really. And I would, I'd walk down to the YMCA and, and run practice, right, for these special athletes that just enjoyed it so much. A couple months ago when we were trying to uh, figure out who to invite into our church leadership team and we were discussing a lot of great applicants, uh, it came to light that there was one particular applicant that uh, worked in a local organization called Eagle Mount, which I think is an incredible organization. Basically, if you're a great skier, you help people with handicaps or disabilities enjoy skiing down those beautiful runs. Okay? How many of us wake up and say, I want to go out and get a great ski today? How special that other people wake up and say, I'm going to help somebody else have a great ski today that wouldn't be able to experience that on their own. Just a couple examples of loving kindness according to what John is saying. As we let generosity with our time and our resources and our skills bless the lives of others. A third thing that uh, we can do according to today's text to grow in our ability to demonstrate loving kindness to others is we can kind of be verified or build up relational equity with our brothers and sisters within our congregation. Listen to what it says here in 1 John 3.19. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. By, by doing these things, by demonstrating loving kindness in this way. In other words, John is saying that as we demonstrate loving kindness to our brothers and our sisters, to those in need, but, but especially those in our church congregation, that's how, we become, that's how we build up relational equity. We can't give 100% to everybody that we meet, right? That's just not sustainable. It's just not feasible. We are definitely supposed to show loving kindness to strangers, but John wrote this to a congregation, and I think one of, the, one of the things that's implied is that the people that we're sitting with in this room right now are the first wave of people that we're supposed to reach out to in loving kindness. Uh, there's going to be a picture up here uh, on the uh, slides. And just this week, we created a photo directory. Before you guys storm out of here, hear me out. One of the things that our church is not very good at is knowing each other's names. There are people in this room right now who have been going to church with other people in this room right now for over a year and they don't know each other's names and that's got to stop because if we're going to overflow with loving kindness, we have to learn 
who our brothers and sisters are and what their names are. Now, I know every region is different, and I know one of the things I've learned about this community is some people are kind of private with their personal information, and that's fine. So you guys can be in the photo directory without giving your address. That's fine. It'd be awesome if you'd put your phone number in there, but if you want to be in the photo directory without putting in your phone number, that's fine too. But what I would love our regular attenders to do, you can look in your bulletin and you can send a picture, a current or a semi-current picture, along with your name as the way you'd like it to be listed to our admin executive uh, administrator this week. And once she receives that information, your picture and your name will be entered into that app. And then once you're in it, you'll then have access to it. We do want to be protective. We don't want some local insurance agent to get the whole church's information so they can try to sell us stuff, right? But this is a beautiful thing because the next time somebody walks into the church and says hi and says your name and you can't remember their name, you just pull out your phone and you hit the app and it's all right there. Guys, this is just a baby step, right? Like this is, you don't get the prize if you do this. This is just the first baby step but as we grow in our ability to recognize and know each other, I promise you that incredible opportunities are going to come up for you to use your skills and your time and your resources to demonstrate loving kindness in the way that John is calling us to demonstrate it to our brothers and sisters here in the congregation as well as those in need in our community. And let's wrap up with this. A fourth thing that uh, we're kind of presented with in today's sermon passage is this. Be strengthened and encouraged that the goodness of God is greater than the selfishness of our hearts. Let me say that again. I want you to be strengthened and encouraged that the goodness and the loving kindness of God is greater than the selfishness that each one of us have in our own hearts. Listen to what it says in 1 John 3.20. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. John is kind of wrapping up our thoughts in this passage by saying, you can't always muster up the energy or the momentum to demonstrate this supernatural loving kindness on your own, but be encouraged because the goodness of God is greater than the fallibility or the failings of our own hearts. Let me close with this illustration. Your freezer at home does not generate the cold air that freezes your ice cream or whatever you put in your freezer, right? That comes through electricity. Your toaster does not generate the heat on its own that heats up your bread. It's plugged into the wall and that electricity comes in and generates it. Your microwave burrito doesn't get cooked only by the microwave. It comes through the electricity through the wall. In the same way, 1 John 3.20 is telling us that when we don't have, we can't generate the loving kindness, when we just can't creatively think of how to reach out to that neighbor, when we just don't have it within us to be kind to somebody that's been rude to us over and over again, the good news is we're just an appliance. We're just a conduit. And it's actually the loving kindness of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit that comes through us. So you don't have to wake up feeling kind. You just have to say, God, I'm an appliance and I want your power to come through me. You don't have to think of how to reach through to that client at work. You don't have to come up with the way to break through uh, with that problematic student uh, that you work with or whatever the situation is. Just remind yourself that God is telling us that his goodness is greater than our hearts 
And we just need to be a conduit for that goodness to come through us. And for me, that's just a paradigm-changing way of looking at it. So I'd like to invite the worship team to come forward and close us with a final song or two. And in conclusion, just remember, I'm not telling you guys to be better. I'm not telling you that your duty as a Christian is to be nicer. I'm saying that the theme of 1 John is that because Jesus Christ is love and light, we are called to let the love and light of Jesus Christ flow through us. Let's let God accomplish that in our lives. If you pray for that, warning, he's going to give you challenging opportunities to apply this. But he'll also give you the energy and the momentum to do that when the situations arise.